A very special thanks to our friends at ChannelFireball.com and, of course, Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games. This podcast contains language and adult humor which may be unsuitable for some audiences. Children, get your parents' permission before listening to Mana Screwed Podcast. Be prepared for pure, unadulterated awesomeness. You have been warned. Are you ready? What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 26 of Mana Screwed. I am Tangent. With me, as always, is Roberto. Hey, hello, everybody. What is up, Robert? Well, you know, kind of boring last weekend. Didn't do anything special. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I heard you had a really horrible time at uh, Grand Prix Toronto. And, and it, of course, you went ahead and spilled it all on Monday Night Magic, so now it's all out there, and we don't need to talk about it, right? Not true at all. <laughs> Not true at all. I, I gave Tom snidbits of what happened. All right, so uh, how did it go, man? Of course, you got to hang out with the Mactacular Scotty Mac. How was that? Yes, that was awesome. He's got a great place up there. It's a, <clears throat> it's a really beautiful house. He's got... Uh, Two really great dogs and two really great cats and a wonderful wife and his son was really good and he's like like I said before and he said he's John Medina in the making. I mean, all weekend, all he was doing was trading with people sometimes three, four times his age. That's insane. I mean, he totally took a what was it a uh, like two crap rares and turned them into like worm coil engines and sort of bodies and minds. Yeah, I remember it, somehow it ended up into an Elspeth at one point too, right? It was just like yeah. some really sick trading. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the kid, the kid's got a great talent at it, and he doesn't care who it is. You had a trade binder? I'll trade with you. Like, <laughs> wow. Maybe and he's he, going to be he, going on the A team and uh, arguing with John Medina and Kelly Reed. Well, you give them a good run for their money. At least the <laughs> thing about him is he doesn't trade for anything. He's just looking for certain things. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if they don't have it, he just goes, okay, picks up his binder and leaves. That's cool. Well, that pisses people off because people just expect him to trade to trade. Yeah, but I mean, some people, you know, I mean, if you don't want to trade, if you don't have, so they don't have something you want, then what are you going to trade? I mean, it. At least he's goal oriented. <laughs> that is true. He's uh he's definitely he's definitely got a lot of his own man in him as far as uh conversation and being able to lead people to the way he wants to lead them, which was really fascinating to see. That is very cool. Very cool. Well, that's cool, man. You get to get to go to a place where you've got already got friends when you get there, Scotty Mac, KYT. And how was how was the Cyclops doing? 
Cyclops was actually really good. He didn't seem to have any ill effects. Oh, good. Uh, his his magic play seemed to have some ill effects. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to love to hear that. Oh, I yeah, but you know what? The newest member of Man of Deprive, of course, goes out, wins the whole thing, knocks out Brad Nelson. I mean, come on. You know, what more could he want? Oh, I'm sure that he's ecstatic about that, winning the whole... The whole tournament salvaging something for Canada. That's that's great. You know, Andy knocks out player of the year. So, you know, come on. I mean, you know, know, Amanda deprived of something to hang their hat on right now. They took out the player of the year. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's awesome. And it only took an, it only took an army of mana deprived people to do it, but they took them down. (laughs) That's true. Did you get to hang out with KYT very much or anything? Well, you know, it was off and on. It was really weird because, you know, you'd go do an event or something, and it was such a large place that you'd lose track of people. But we all tried to meet up in the same area over and over and over again. But he was, you know, he's a busy man. He was wheeling and talking and doing all sorts of stuff. He got his hands in lots of things. That's good. That's good, man. He needs to take care of business. So uh, tell me a little bit about the rest of the tournament. Um, one of the things I did notice right away is really you just have to really kind of pay attention to what's going on around you because a lot of people for some reason want to pay attention to your business, i.e. want to call judges on you and things like that. Uh-huh. So it's like you, you have to focus on your game. But it seems like there's always a set of prying eyes from the groups around you to try to see if you're doing something wrong. And it's like you don't have enough involved with your game. Yeah, really. Is that did you feel like that was people like that knew the people you were playing against or something where they were trying to help them out, or was it just people with nothing better to do than to concentrate on other people's games? I think it was more that. I think even the people who were playing next to you were always trying to look for something. A lot of a lot of judge infractions are going on. Actually, uh, speaking of an odd judge infraction, uh, this week at uh, Monkey Magic Cards and Games, they had a disqualification and may have an investigation going on Ooh. because one of their players did something. I did not get the full details from Ed, but uh, yeah. Like serious charges are being potentially brought up here, and it kind of freaked like me out. Like serious charges, like actual charges, or well, just like just like going to the DCI and saying, "Hey, this guy was trying to put uh, his pre-release scars cards into his release sealed deck or something." I I don't know, but all I know is it said when he mentioned something about needing a judge or needing. Hang on, I can tell you in just one second here. Okay. I mean, because I, you know, people like complained about the fact that I had five worm coil engines in my release, but I opened those. This weekend, a, t- a top four got so botched that there's a double DQ and a DCI investigation. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Tell me about it. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I want you'll have to keep us posted and let us know what what's up with that. Well, you know, you think about it. I mean, a double DQ. 
Yeah, that's, how does how that, do you get a double DQ? Usually, it's just one person acting like an idiot. Betting, or it could be betting on the games. It could be uh, that they maybe they had made agreements, you know, coercion or whatever that's called, or not coercion, but uh, uh, I can't remember collusion or whatever. Yes. You yes. Know? So I mean, it could be uh, it could be anything. It's hard to say. Yeah, so Double I'm DQ means something shady. That's what that means. Well, I'm very interested in finding out what happens with this because it's definitely something that is you never want to see it, and especially uh, you know this week with our series of podcasts that you were nice enough to put the first one out of Michael Jacob, which after re-listening to it, man alive, was that good? Yeah, it is. <laughs> And the rest of them will be good too. So, you know, I mean, other pod, the other interviews that people have to look forward to: Conley Woods, Brad Nelson, the second place finisher of of the GP. Um, uh, refresh my memory. I'm off the top of my head. I'm not remembering the Ricky Hayashi. Ricky Hayashi. Level three judge, who I call level five right away. Oops. <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, Rich Hagen and the boys. Oh they yeah, all, they all were top sixty-four at the time. That's right. And came on and a little mini uh, mini interview from G Fabs. Yeah, well, you know what? That's the beautiful thing about him is is that that whole thing was really weird. Is he, he actually left G's, G's live coverage to have me come in? I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, you got a lot of a lot of appearance on uh, Gigi's live too. So, uh, have you have you heard about that being up or anything? You've been checking yourself out. No, I've not checked myself out yet. Although I've thought about it numerous times. <laughs> I was I was hoping since uh, since Greg from uh, Greg from Four Spikes was watching it that he would tell me when I was on. Because he was uh, watching the uh, coverage, and he said he was like at round nine or ten, and I'm like, uh, I think I was there between somewhere between thirteen and fifteen. So, oh, where yeah, okay, yeah, I was wondering yeah. about that too. As much as I'd like to sit through the whole tournament, I just don't have those kind of hours. So, having some idea of when you were on would be good. You mean you don't want to sit through thirteen hours of live coverage? Not as much as you might think. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you do the dirty work, and I'll just go through and uh, watch, you know, the important bits and pieces. Yes, and we also have that interview too. Now, did we determine if that one came out okay or not? Um, it, it, I'm sure it will. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't adjusted that one yet. So, it, okay. it, but I'm pretty sure I can make it work. The, the GG's live interview. Yeah, that one will probably work better if you actually physically see it than actually probably hear it. But still, it was. Uh, Good thoughts and giving opinions on lots of different things. I well, yeah, I mean, to. worst case scenario, I'll just rip it from them. That's true. <laughs> the there were lots of other people I wanted to get while I was there, but I just it was it was so busy that you were just time went by so fast. Well, what would you say overall? And I do know what you mean exactly because I, having just gone to GP Portland, it. But what what would you say was your favorite part of the tournament? Um, let's see, the favorite part of the tournament. 
playing wise was probably probably realizing that when you looked at the standings board and you were in the top 50 or no top 80 at one time that was kind of the most fun and otherwise that whole thing was my favorite part was actually you know after Conley had a rough day day two that he was nice enough actually to just give me some time to talk about it and talk about other things too because he could have easily just said hey you know what man I had a bad day I'm not really up to it but you know he didn't and actually to me that was a lot of fun yeah that's awesome man Conley is a, is a uh is a really good guy. Even at, at GP Portland, when I saw him there, he uh, I, I just remember this one time when I'd walked by him and on my way to the bathroom, and and uh, this little kid's just like, Conley, can you can you give me an autograph? As Conley's like walking the opposite direction, he just stops and he's like, Sure, man, you know, and just and just hooks him up with an autograph. It's just he just really is very down to earth and and uh, treats people with respect. He's probably one of the nicest guys, I swear. Well, that's what's funny is, is you know, you would have thought that I was there and, you know, most of these pros, a lot of the pros weren't playing, that I would have been, like, getting autographs all over the place. Uh, I had Scotty Matt get me LSV awesome. <laughs> on my play mat. Awesome. And I have Scotties. <laughs> I have KYTs. And... I don't know who else. I don't think I got anybody else's autograph on my playmat. It's yeah. like I was so trying to make sure I had interviews set up and stuff like that that it didn't really even phase me. Well, that's okay, man. I mean, to be honest with you, like I'm not an autograph junkie. Like I, I, I don't have a single autograph from anyone that I've ever met. I, I'm more of, I try and keep things on the same level and equal level. I mean, I. I do want to interview these people because it would be good for the show and also because of the fact that I know that I can learn from them. But they're just people, just like mm-hmm. us, you know. And so the fact of the matter is, is as much as I would love to have LSV on here, pick his brain and talk to him, it's I'm not going to fanboy, you know, on him. I, I just, that's just not the way that I am. I, I like these guys. I want, you know, I want to work with them. But I consider it to be more of like a... Uh, like a working relationship than a fanboy relationship, you know. I I follow them because they're the best at what they do, but I I'm not going to, you know, to just I I I'd, I'd I'd hate to ask one of these guys for for their autograph and then be like, "Hey, by the way, can you do my show?" It just wouldn't seem right to me, so It's okay. I didn't have to like I said I didn't. It was funny and that it was weird that uh one of our listeners, uh, Carrie Dan, who was up there, he actually asked for my autograph, and I was like, "Really? What am I doing this for?" You know, it's like, <laughs> "No, it's see, like, man, that's cool. I, I respect that. I think that's great." I just felt that was kind of weird. You know, it's like, here I am. I'm I'm a voice. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not a top. You know, a top tier player. I'm just a very good player. I think, in my own mind, at least. And stuff like that. So, well, you're, tell you you're becoming. Was, oh, go ahead, go ahead, please. I'll tell you one of the fun things was is that the get that when they play drafts themselves, it, it, they have a lot of fun with it. But you can tell between the groups that 
it's business. Oh yeah, yeah. But they're still having fun with it. But the 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 net result, uh, it, it's it's still a business. Were you so, watching? Is this? Are you talking about as part of the Grand Prix or side drafts? Side drafts. So was this individual or team drafting? Do you know? They all they seem to do team. Okay. Yeah. Teams of three, teams of five, however many they want to do. Yeah. And it, it's great because, like they said, you have a team of three. You feel like you can play us? Come on and sit down. That's awesome, man. I would, I think that would have been fun just to even get in, you know, to get like you, me, and and uh, Ben and the sandwich out there, you know, and go go at it against some people. That would have been pretty good time. Well, what I thought was great was you had basically a good half a channel fireball with PV LSV. Um, I think it was a Choa. And I don't remember who the fourth guy was. And it was against David Williams, a couple of guys from uh, the MTG Chicago thing. They were wearing MTG Chicago shirts. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was like, you could tell that was like serious action because they were, even even the other pros were coming around to watch. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm sure when when Team Channel Fireball gets together to go up against someone, that it's going to draw a lot of attention anyway. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of the people were very respectful for it, and I think that was what was really nice was, is that there was a lot of, you know, you just kind of, you would watch, but you wouldn't want to get, like, involved. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, like, too close because a lot of people that they'll still kind of like almost stalk over the top of the competition what's going on right you know you need to just kind of give space oh yeah man there's there's always a bubble around the the big events and i mean i mentioned before that when smitty was playing against saito by the end of the match it was just like this tight bubble of people around them and me personally like the intensity was just too much for me like between those two it was like watching two like stone cold assassins going at each other and i was just like okay i'm just this is one of those times when you know if i was playing against one of these guys that'd be one thing but being near this like being near these two going head to head it was the intensity was just too much i had to back away it was just too much for me did you notice did you notice when you were at uh portland that matches were going long or were they going fast? Um they were they were going pretty long. Um but the thing about that though is I've heard that that with scars, so that was that was M eleven obviously. Uh the scars I've heard is just like going long a lot, like really frequently. Have they were they going quicker there for you or were they pretty long I play for, I, I don't play slow I have a tendency of and maybe that's just my style to try to push the pace and maybe that's my inexperience at it I guess but a lot of the a lot of the pros their matches go longer they take they take their time they play things out more and it's interesting just to see that. Uh, not that I saw any of them go to time. It's just that 
like I would end a lot of matches, and there'd be twenty minutes left on the clock. Yeah, you're and, aggressive. Yeah, and then there'd be other people end matches, and there'd be like five minutes left on the clock. Well, look at look at Ben, for instance, again, you know, and I've I've made plenty of jokes about Mr. Thoktar Rider, but he has a tendency to play really long. And I mean I told you about the pre release. He two of the four or five games or whatever it was, two of two of the four matches that he played went to time and he drew. And then, you know, at uh at the Grand Prix in Portland, he drew the very first match of the day. So because it went to time. So that's that's I mean some people do. They they take a long time and they draw out matches and other people are really aggressive. Now, I can say in all honesty that I'm I'm too aggressive and I'm working on slowing my game down and and that's what I've been working on lately is just trying to trying to relax because I, I feel like I've just been tilted and like I'm trying to slow my aggression level down because if I don't stop to think... I mean, unless you're playing like some ultra-fast, ultra-aggressive deck, you really should stop and think because sometimes if you play too quickly, you'll end up missing something and it'll be vital. Other times, aggressiveness is just awesome because... You put your opponent on their heels, and unless they can recover quickly, they're they just lose. You know, it just they just it shocks them, and or they start playing at your level, and that messes them up even more. Agreed. It seems to be very interesting how conflicting styles tend to lead to different matches. Yeah, you just have to be careful if you're playing like if you if like you are an aggressive style and say that works for you and say you're able to think and generally you're able to make all the right decisions going at that speed and being that aggressive and especially if you're playing an aggressive deck you have to be careful that when you come up against someone like say Saito that he's going to do everything he can to slow you down to throw you off your game you know and you just have to not let him do that, you know. So when you do play like that, you have to be aware of of people like like that that will intentionally try and slow you down. And because when you're thinking aggressive, you you just want the whole game to go that way. You want their turns to be quick. You want, you know. And and when you're going like your turns over in like five seconds, and then their turns sitting there lasting like three minutes, you're going, God, you know, just go. <laughs> It is an interesting concept. The one thing I really thought that was interesting was how people built decks. I think, I think, like I said on previously, that you really need to focus on having a plan A and a plan B. Right. Done what you need to get done. And, I mean, you know, M11 and Scars gave you easy one step, no fail, straight line options on what you could do. And that always worked out well. But here you need to kind of mix a little, depending on what you like to play, you know, mix a little infect with a little, you know, solid creature base to back you up just in case something happens. Well, even beyond that, with Scars, the amazing thing about Scars, and it's since I've been playing, I've rarely made this kind of change, but it's like easy to do it with scars. Like, 
and I know KYT, I even caught one of his messages where he said basically the same thing. Like, I, I've built, like, an infect deck, right? And then, based on how the first game went of the match, completely switched into, like, red-white. Completely, like, switched out all the cards, and because I had such a big base of artifacts, the change was actually easy to make. So if I felt like my infect wasn't going to work against this particular deck, I... I just I literally sideboarded in a different deck and and I did that once with both colors and I did it another time just switching out one of the two colors completely but it really throws people off because if people think that that your your game is one way then they all of a sudden they'll sideboard in their cards or they'll change things to try and beat you and then you sideboarded a whole different deck in and and KYT said basically the same thing. I think in one of his games uh, during the Grand Prix, he said that he sideboarded like 24 cards or something. And that's that's just the way that the format is. It, it enables you to do that with running so many artifacts. Yeah, the beautiful thing is, is most times when you set up, you have somewhere between, what was it, 17 and 25 artifacts to play with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, you've been doing the online... Oh yeah. Version of this? Yep. Quite a bit. I've been doing that and standard lately because I have to get ready for game day. But what was what what card have you seen lately that you've played with has really stood out to you that doesn't seem to look like it's a fantastic card but actually came to play and did its job? Um. Well, I mean, okay. Now this one everyone's kind of on board with now, but to begin with, a lot of people were complaining about Tumble Magnet, saying that they didn't think that it was going to be that solid because it you know, it only worked three times, and if you can't build charge counters on it, and it costs too much or whatever, Tumble Magnet's awesome. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's something that, uh, that I've necessarily seen that I really, really enjoyed. Um, God... I'm not thinking of anything really off the top of my head. Like uh, most of the stuff that I've had that I really liked is pretty obvious stuff. I mean, still Hellkite's awesome. No kidding, you know. Um, yeah. The uh, the infect ball lightning dude is is awesome. I mean, go figure, right? So what? I, I can't remember what his name. He's not literally a ball lightning. He's not a six one, but that five three or whatever. Putrefax. Putrefax. Yeah, that that Putrefax is is really good if you've got the right cards for it, you know. Um, and there's there's just certain things like that. There's a, there's so many good like combos and things that you can do in this set that it's. I guess what I would say is this. Very few cards in this set are unplayable because, but they're not all playable in every deck. Like, there's so many cards that, like, you'll be looking at and you'll be like, oh, this card just sucks, this card just sucks. The next time you play, based on the cards that you get, those cards you just said suck might actually work perfectly in your deck. And so, I mean, it's... I mean, there's the, one of the cards that's that's pretty solid, really. If you're doing, if you're going for damage, is that one that uh, I think it costs two. It comes out. It's got two charge counters on it. You tap it and deal two damage to target player. That card's pretty pretty rock solid. Um, because yeah, it's just a common artifact. 
Yeah, exactly. Because if you if you've got any kind of proliferate or anything, it it becomes even better. But even if you don't, it costs two to do four damage. I mean, that's that's pretty good to be hitting someone for four for only two mana. But it's even better with proliferate. And then um, the other thing I would say is those um, the smiths are awesome. Like the the red and white smith, the white one. When you pay one, when you play an artifact and pay one, you get to put a one-one mirror into play. And the red yeah. one, when you uh, pay one, when you play an artifact, you get to deal one damage target creature or or player. Um, that those two are both just face stompers. Yeah, the the one that I seem to really like that worked really well. Is Perilous Mirror. It's two. Oh, when yeah. it goes in the graveyard, it deals two damage to target creature or player. Yeah, yeah, that thing is such a pain. And whenever I see that come down, it's like, cool. I can't play half my cards right now until that thing dies because it's just going to kill them. So, yep. yeah, that thing is such a pain in the ass. It's great. It's a good. It's solid. The other, the, even for for infect that that one one that like if someone blocks it, it gets plus two plus two. That yep. thing may not be the best card in the set, but it's sure annoying as hell. Because it's like, you know, you just... Eventually, those one infect damage start to add up, but it's like you're going to lose your creatures to it, you know, so... The other one that really, really worked well um, for me was a Stratocyte. Nobody uses God, it. that thing's sick, yeah. Imprints... Exile the card in their library. Shuffle it gets one month for each creature uh, on the battlefield or, or each, each yeah, land like of land. that type. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that thing was a winner. Constantly, you'd put that thing out, and by the time you'd get it out, you'd have three of them, and your opponent might have two of them, and all of a sudden you're equipping it with a five-five. Yep. Yeah. It, that's definitely insane. I, I there's so many good like techniques out there and good things to use. I mean. There's the obvious ones. Ratchet bombs, awesome. Uh, you know things like that. But it was very interesting to see what people were comboing out in order to win. Um, it was funny to see, uh, you know, people even playing, which the card I thought was really not useful. The Kemba Kia Regent, where you equip it and you get a two-two cat every turn, and I thought what is this going to do? And then all of a sudden you see someone play it and they're short on blockers and that thing stays out there two or three turns and all of a sudden it's got like a little squadron of two twos that can stop infects. Oh yeah, man. If you get the right combination of those those guys that need to be equipped and the equipment, there it's really solid. But you really, the one, that's one of the scary things though is, you know, if you, let's say you start drafting like that girl and then you just don't end up with the equipment. You practically have to draft the equipment first because you just don't know that you're going to be able to get that much of it late because people are, people draft the equipment pretty high. Well, speaking of drafting, everybody talked about the changes that's happened to draft. Oh yeah, with the reversed order. How 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 will you think the reversed order will affect how you draft? Um, I I just it depends. Obviously, I have to wait and see, like, which faction has the better, like, in my opinion, the better cards. Like, 
if if it looks like infect is just going to tear it up then I'll probably go that route but otherwise I'll probably go uh, the Mirren way just and and I, it's just because I like the the choice of the cards on the Mirren side better I like the red the ability to go into red white um, I like a lot of the creatures I like the planeswalkers you know so not that I don't like Koth but you know I mean Koth is actually red too he's still uh Mirren, isn't he? I believe so. The one thing, the one thing that really in one, two, three of my losses, Koth came out there, and once he's out there, you know, it's like, oh, okay, next turn you'll have it fully activated. Crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really hard to deal with. The <clears throat> Elspeth is also awesome in sealed or draft. Not that no any planeswalker is ever horrible and in, in you know limited, but Elspeth is just when I had Elspeth in the pre-release, I locked down the board. Period. It's just like like every other turn, you know, or every couple turns, I can wrath, and it, it kills all those stupid artifacts too, you know. So I don't really care if you have an O one indestructible or not. It is interesting. Um, what, what's your opinion on bladed pinons, or opinions? That card's awesome. I mean, it makes your your in crappy on the ground infect guys into uh, flying first strike infect dudes, and and it makes goblin gavalier awesome. It it pretty much just it's just a really awesome card. Doesn't it now almost seemed with the way people have been playing it, doesn't it almost seem under undercosted? I know it's four total to equip something with flying and first strike, but you're giving it first strike. And flying. More importantly yes. you're giving it invasion because it, I mean evasion the uh the but I think the reason why it's not considered to be overcosted is because it has no plus two power. If it had plus to power, even plus one to power, then it'd be pretty unanimously Undercosted, but it's. I mean, compare it to some of the other things in the game. I personally would rather have that than the Dark Steel Axe. Everyone, you know, and I know that people will think that's like blasphemy, but the fact of the matter is, is most of the times it's the evasion that's going to end up winning that battle. You know, I I don't really care if you've got a Dark Steel Axe when I've got a zero six wall for two. You know, I mean that doesn't matter to me. Absolutely, the the because of like you said the lack of it, it really helps. It really helps you get through at the end. It, it was interesting when I watched one of Connolly's matches, and it was like they were both racing to get the the bladeds equipped, and then once they got it equipped, it was like, oh, I got mine equipped first, so I'll hit you. And then as soon as Connolly got his big one equipped, it he's like, okay, I'm done attacking right now. It was quite interesting because you almost saw people racing just to get in the air. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing, actually, that I will say is that uh, I'm trying to remember what it is, the artifact that costs, like, X, and you whatever you pay it, play it for, 
it has that many charge counters on it, and then when you pay one colorless, it becomes an XX artifact creature until the end of turn with where X is the number of charge counters. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, a chimeric mass or whatever, or chimeric mass or whatever it yes. is. The the uh, that card is awesome. Not only did I did I you know when I could get that thing pumped up all the way, it was just like a seven seven. But then you put like bladed pinion, you know, you pay your one, put bladed pinions on it, fly through. It's just that card's insane, and because you know, ninety percent of the time they can't do anything about it. You know, the only thing like they can shatter it, but they can't just do like direct damage to it. They can't, you know, there's a lot of things that they can't do because it's not a creature all the time. So it's just it's it's so cool. I love that card. Well, I didn't get to see one, but it definitely looks very nice. It just seems like everything is... It seems like who got the early game going seemed to have control of the game. That's what it seems like. It's really weird in a format where a lot of your bombs are real big, but it seemed like whoever had the early control, a.k.a. got an early infect out or got a early damage in damage machine in early literally you were always seeming to play a round or two behind right like they would constantly have another creature out another creature out yeah. another creature out that's absolutely true and and the thing and one of the things that's kind of funny is this is a this is a, a strange format in the fact that you really have to appreciate one point of damage and and that's such a strange thing to say like you know Stabbing pain in M11 was would be beloved in this set just because it would kill so many things. The 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 uh, the one spell I remember on limited resources, like when they were reviewing the set, they were talking about the the black spell that's uh, black and three colorless, I believe, and its uh, target creature gets minus one minus one, or it's either minus one minus one or a minus one minus one counter, and you draw a card, right? That spell, it costs four, and you only get minus one, minus one, but it still still acts like a cantrip, and it it still kill kills things, important things in this set, because some of the things that do a ton of damage in this set have only one toughness, like that that uh, protection from artifacts three one infect guy, being able to kill that, I mean, and then draw a card to replace it. That's great. So it's, you know, a lot of the things that you normally would think are bad are really still playable. Well, I will tell you for your sealed pool, if you're looking for a a winnable answer to fool your opponent with, have Untamed Might in there. Oh, Untamed Might's insane, yeah. Because yeah. I, managed, I managed to twice win games with Infect by, he says... I swing with a little blah 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 flying infect. Oh, I'll let it go. Boom, untame might for six more you lose. And you get this look of like Oh, I guess I shouldn't have let that happen. Yep, I had I have had that happen too. And I I wasn't even playing infect actually. I just had and like two infect creatures that, that I had in there for more for protection. But swung with, I think I put bladed pinions on, swung, they didn't, they didn't block, 
So then I untamed Might for like five or something, and the next turn Contagion clasped and ended up, uh, you know, proliferating to win the game or something. But they, they, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's some really, really, really good cards or good strategies. This format just hasn't even been touched in all the things you can do yet. It's interesting. I'm really curious to see what decks come out of this. And then they just had their, uh, I think it was today, they had their interview with uh, Mark Merrill and a couple other people from Wizards. And the, it was retweeted that someone said, we hope you like Infect because it's still going to be a prevalent factor throughout the rest of the set. And I'm like, oh, really? Because you can see where you can build your Infect deck just from this set. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure, man. I mean, it's insane already. So I'm trying to figure out what are they going to add to it. So are you are you thinking about like building an Infect deck like standard-wise right now? Well, yeah, because you can have a lot of fun with it. The only problem is is the support for it is kind of weak. The one card that I thought that really worked well. See, the problem is is Regular standard has so many cards that have large power and toughness that your little dinky power and toughness poison creatures aren't going to withstand it. The one card I thought really was interesting was the... uh, Where is he? I think he's... Yeah, four and two black. The Carnfax Demon. Oh, yeah. He comes in as a four-four with two minus one-one counters on it. Yeah. He's kind of fun. Yeah, he's he's awesome, but he doesn't have infect, does he? No, but he wipes the board. Right. You pay two black mana, it does minus two, minus two to everything on the board. Oh well, yeah, and absolutely. Gets him back to six six. You know, he he in is a board sweeper, which is really weird because you don't really have that in black. I, I just don't know. It seems it seems like right now with the way these decks are going, you know, with the blue-black and the green Eldrazi. See, the green Eldrazi could be a problem for Infect because, fine, you poison them. Okay, fine, they still live. You know, and most of them are going to be fairly big. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the whole point is, is when it comes to Eldrazi, you probably should be hoping to win before they get their Eldrazi out because if they get Eldrazi out and it sticks and you don't have some way to get it off of there, they're going to kill you with it because you're going to have to sacrifice everything you have on your next turn. That's that's what that's the main key. I mean, they don't even. Why would you even care? Because the thing is, is if you block with the creature, right? Then that means you've already sacked either other creatures or land. So. You figure if it's if it's Ulamog, you've sacked four land or four creatures or vice or half and half or whatever. But if you manage to block it with your two two infect guy, that's just not going to do anything. And he's going to be attacking. You're going to be sacrificing four more the next turn. That's just that's that's pretty devastating to say the least. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for one of the pros to write an article about how to make Infect effective yet to see if 
all these decks that, you know, we kind of play with and goof with actually will be useful because, you know, it, it really, the next set should be kind of the neutral set, kind of like a little towards one and a little towards the other. And the third set will be more towards the, uh, the good guys to try to even it out at the end. But Oh, you would think that they're going more towards the good guys in the third one? See, I thought that that was supposed to be when, cause since, since the first set was almost all Mirren, the second set would be evened out, and then the third set would be almost all Phyrexian. Uh, I don't know, because I just think the cards on this set are so powerful towards the other side that you would think that it might not be that way. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that that could be true, but I think unanimously most people feel that, like, red-white is the best right now in yeah. in sealed and draft. So the, the Mirans still have it at this point, according to, you know, most what most people think. Not that the Phyrexian cards aren't powerful, but there's not enough of them to make it solid. I think if someone, a pro player, is going to make a real true contending like a tier one uh a tier one infect deck it's going to be after besieged comes out. I don't think they'll be able to do it yet. Not that they won't make a good solid tier two, but I don't think that they'll be able to make a tier one quite yet. I guess the problem is is because standard is so far away. You know what I mean? There's no standard tournaments coming up. Right. Until worlds. It's like well, that's why I'm just personally going with stuff that's already out there. Like I, you know, I'm playing game day. I'm playing Eldrazi Ramp, and then I've got a blue black build that I'm working on online, and uh, I'm just trying to perfect the blue black stuff online because I really like that combination. But I'm not, just, I'm not doing Infect right now. I just love the lands that get you three points every turn. Oh, yeah, that's that is. There's so much that's cool about blue black. It just blue black makes me very happy. It's got memoricide. It's got the creeping tarpets, which is just insanely awesome. I mean, you can use the trinket mage if you want to be able to do the the trinket mage package with the you know the elixir of immortality and the brittle effigy and and the uh, uh what's the you know the the mana ramping zero cost. Uh, yeah, ever flowing chalice. Yeah, ever flowing chalice. Exactly. So you've got you've got all that package. Plus you've got access to hex mages. You've got access to gatekeepers if you want to use them or consuming vapors. Consume the meek. Like just so many cool cards that no one really's played that much. And now it's there's they work together really well in a solid deck. That's backed by Worm Coils or Grave Titans or Frost Titans. You know, just depends on what you want to do. But are you running heavy infect or heavy? Um, I'm sorry, heavy counter spells, or are they listed on the sideboard? I'm running. I'm running counters. Yeah, but Doom Blades, of course, and even actually Disfigures right now. And the only like I haven't really had too many problems, except I've there's this weird deck that I've I've never played. Like, even when I was testing Eldrazi Ramp, I never played this deck, and now all of a sudden I'm seeing it constantly, and it's uh, like a mana ramping control deck, which is like, it's weird. It's like this green-blue, and it's, it's like either green-blue-white or green-blue-black, depending on which one I'm seeing. 
but it's it's just like a mana like they try and have so many mana out so quick that I can't even play a mana leak anymore. So you know it's it, it makes things kind of a pain, but that's what flash freezes are for, I guess. Yes, well, it's interesting because uh, how sideboarding now for, uh, for blue seems to be there's a lot of debate over which of the third counter spells you should use from deprive uh, to spell pierce to even you know even the new one which is cancel light you right. know it's interesting i just i love the debates over that stuff that's the stuff that makes it a lot of fun as a deck builder to do that kind of stuff well i think i mean to me the thing that's kind of funny is those those people this new ramp deck they're they're still running the same counter spells they'll still run mana leaks they still run things like that. Those people should be running deprives. A deprive, deprive, is a, is only not appreciated and used in control because control gets its man out slowly. If you're ramping, there's no reason not to be using deprive. It's the best counter spell if you're ramping because you're already ramping. You already have more mana than them. If you've got 12 mana, you can cast a Deprive. It's a lot better than casting a Mana Leak at that point. You know, it's just... you Deprive is, is a hard counter, and that makes it better in that situation. I wish I could run Deprive, but I have a tendency to, like, you know, the last couple matches, I mean, I'm running 25 lands, and I still was getting caught up. Even with Preordains, I was still getting caught half the time, like, getting stalled out on four land. And or five land, and I'm stalled out, and it's like, dude, this is stupid. Like, you know, I shouldn't be getting stalled out like this, but but I am. Whereas I'm playing against a green ramp dude who's who's got counter spells, but he's got twelve man on the board too. It's kind of hard to deal with that. So, is there a is there a fundamental shift going on um, MTGO online to standard decks? It seems like you're talking about there's a a small metagame change in what people are playing now. Uh, here's the this is one of the things, and this is another reason why people recommend that that you play MTGO if you're trying to compete outside, uh, you know, outside of MTGO. Like if you're trying to compete in the standard tournaments or any other tournaments for that matter, the metagame on MTGO practically defines most of the other the other gaming like the other games out there and the reason being is the metagame is constantly shifting like like what is happening today was not happening yesterday you know i mean it's it's just constantly changing because everyone is seeing the new decks and then everyone modifies to compensate for that. So like I might have been seeing all Eldrazi ramp yesterday, but today I'm seeing all this, you know, weird control magic that that can stop Eldrazi ramp and still ramp itself and it's just it's just weird that's like it's a constantly shifting meta game and it's part of what's frustrating about MTGO, but it's part of what's awesome about it too because really it helps you be prepared for many of the things that you're going to face out there when you actually go into a major tournament. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see because of the fact that a lot of these articles come out and, you know, 
you can instantly sleeve it up on MTGO, play it, like it, dislike it, and then, you know, tear it apart and come up with your own version of it. Oh, yeah. Within 30 minutes. Well, and that's, and that's why, like when Conley had Soul Sisters, that's why immediately, and I do mean immediately, that Soul Sisters, the, like the, uh, Soul, not Soul Warden, but the Sarah Ascendant, and things like that started selling out online and started raising in price and you know and the the one that just gains a counter for every life that's gained or whatever those those things uh really shot up because instantly people wanted to play that deck so you know you go from seeing none of it or maybe the occasional one of someone trying a sloppy version of it to now everyone's playing that deck. And you even heard, heard the A-team talking about it at the time because they would be practicing online and it's like every other deck they would see would be that. The metagame shifts instantly. And and MTGO can update the metagame at the drop of a hat. They, it's, just, it's just constantly changing. If you see something happen at States, if you see something happen at the Grand Prix... As soon as those deck lists come out, those deck lists appear on MTGO. I understand why they do it. I guess I, I guess my whole theory is come up with it yourself. No, <laughs> I I completely agree, man. I'm just but it but in a way though, it's really awesome that it does that because when you're trying to figure out whether or not your deck is good enough, when you do try and come up with things then you're going to play these people and you're going to be able to see because when you're when you're in those tournament rooms and you don't have to necessarily even play in tournaments you can just go in the tournament room and practice against people who are also practicing for the tournaments and you're going to see a ton of these decks so you know if if you wanted to play against Jun when Jun was in you, all you had to do was go in the tournament room and you, you play a few matches and you're going to be running across a couple of Jun decks you know it's just it's the way that it is. The The metagame constantly shifts, but all the decks are out there. People will have some new crazy stuff, but for the most part, you're going to see a ton of net decks, and it gives you the ability to practice against them because when you go out there into the real real world and play, you're going to be coming up against the same things. Like I said, I find it very interesting and very fascinating, and that's where you're ability to play online with this really helps because the experience of it changing really realistic in front of you has got to be fascinating because you know they've been you know you hear people pumping up this green white tokens deck and it keeps getting redefined yep and I don't know have you gotten to play with it I've played. I've only played against it once, uh, and I haven't played it myself. the The only thing I've really played that takes advantage, like like serious advantage of the new cards, is the uh, the Goblin deck, and that thing is insane. It's so fast. It's really really good. I mean, it's you know there there are definitely ways to stop it, but I'm saying for for a simple fast super aggro Goblin deck, it's it's very very cool. Oh, and the uh, the quest for the Holy Relic deck is a lot of fun to play against too. Yeah, but you almost have to now prepare your sideboards now, literally for artifact slash enchantment hate. 
I would say enchantment hate more than artifact because what are you afraid of artifact wise? Worm coils, yeah. I, if you're playing, but you, but if you're playing white anyway, then you're probably playing Journey to Nowhere, so you're not that worried about them. Um, other than that, you know, of course you're going to be play, uh, afraid of the like Argentum armor or whatever that is. That the yes. Well, that you're going to be afraid of that, but you're playing against a deck that's like almost entirely reliant on its enchantment to get that out, you know. And let's say I'm playing Eldrazi Ramp, well, I just have that uh, back to nature or whatever, right? Destroy all enchantments. And uh, I, when I was playing that, they had uh, had Journey to Nowhere, my a Worm Coil engine. One of my overgrown battlements, right, and uh, and then they I can't remember some no maybe it was Ulamog, a worm coil engine yeah Ulamog a worm coil engine, and then they were trying like getting the counters on their relic, and I backed an Hured destroyed all of them, and that one like right then because they just had to concede at that point. Uh, my Ulamog and Worm Coil engine just came out of their enchantments and uh, and their the quest for the Holy Relic that was supposed to win them the game just died. So you know, there's lots of lots of ways to stop things like that, and you know, there's you you have to be prepared in the, with the way that the game is right now. But there's only so many artifacts you really have to be that afraid of, afraid of enough to to actually have something to take care of them anyway. Well, you know, at least the enchantment part you want to make sure is gone. You know, have some hate for it in your deck. Yeah, I, I have I have artifact artifact hate too, but I, I have that's I haven't found as much of a need for that as I have the enchantment hate. I mean Pyromancers, Ascension, you just don't want those going off. Yeah, there's there's so many enchantments out there that are such a pain in the ass that you really got to make sure you can take care of those. Agreed. I mean, there's it, it's it's interesting again with everything that's going on. I mean, it's real exciting. You know, everybody's writing about stuff, and it's funny because every pro now you almost hear him say, "Well, I have stuff in mind, but I really don't want to talk about it yet until it comes out." Yep. And it's it's funny because you think, well, yeah, but by the time you have, like you said before, when you talked about it, it's probably already out there, cycled, redone, spit out by the MTGO machine, and now you have it, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess that didn't work. Yeah, and and you're right, and the one of the other things that's kind of funny and. You will only hear so many people admit to this, but there are pros that go and sit in, you know, and play a little bit in the casual rooms or play in the tournament rooms, and they're not necessarily playing because they want to take someone's deck. In fact, they're not playing for that reason, but they'll play in there against these people, and they'll get crazy ideas, right? Because they'll be like, wow, you know, that deck is horrible, but... That use of that card is awesome, right? Like, in so, I'm not saying they all do it; uh, they definitely don't. But there are those that that go in there, 
and that play and that pick things up because every now and then even the crappiest deck has a little bit of genius in it and and that's that's found and and utilized well, anything you can get to have your advantage is very very important i think that you know those people like yourself who are willing to commit the time to mggo to play the games to get the experience it does help and i really think when it came down to the people in day two it came down to the people who had literally tested and played the most that oh, got yeah. there yeah yeah i agree man i mean there's some people that say that they played like you know 50 75 sealed that de- sealed uh tournaments before they even got there right yeah it's like it wow surprising yeah, so, uh, hey, did you want to, I think we, we have this little mini interview from GFABs we want to get to. Did you want to want to listen to GFABs here? Absolutely. It was, it was kind of neat, again, getting how this happened. Uh, part of my lovely experience in Toronto was I got to go on GG's Live, and I got, I was supposed to go on for 10 minutes. It lasted 20 match came around they said well come back after the next round and ask your last question well I came back and there's GFABs of course when he's on there he, the one great thing about having him on GG's Live is he totally interacts with the people that are chatting and he just has so much fun with it and it was so weird to have him leave <laughs> just so I could squeeze in there and ask one more question before we, they went back to the next. Well, game. that's because you're the you're the man, dude. You no, you're no, no, Mr. No, 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 interview now, when, right? So when he's on there, numbers go up <laughs> big time. I know, man. Obviously, he's just a cool guy, and that's cool that they you know that he did that for you. So, um, so anyway, here here he is. I guess. Uh, did you want to set this up any more than that? It, um, I asked him one question. The question you'll see asked a lot of everybody else I do there. I really wanted to get him quick. Uh, he was nice enough to give me the one question, which turned into a little bit longer than a question, but it was still a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, so here it is, the uh, short GFABs interview. This is Robert from Monday Night Magic and Astrode, and I have one question for you, okay. and that is if today was your last day of Magic. If I was going to quit magic, sure. You're going to quit magic. Okay. And you could play one game with one person. Who would it be and why? Uh, it would be a retirement match versus some players that have a reputation for cheating. I don't want to say exactly who, but they have been banned before, and I just want to, you know, I would definitely offer a retirement match to them. And if I were to lose, I mean, I offered a retirement match on uh, GG Live before. Um, so, and if I were to lose, then I would retire. But if they were to lose, they would retire. And, you know, the game would just probably be, uh, you know, cleaned up and just like a fun game to play for everybody and stuff. So, kind of like in WWF wrestling, retirement match. Yeah. Yeah, but unlike the WWF, uh, would that mean that you'd be able to come out of retirement uh, next week saying that the clause was incorrect? Uh, we'd have to talk to Scott Larrabee or, or someone about that. So, I'm not too sure. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate your time no today. Problem. Is there anything else you'd like to say uh, to the listeners out there about anything that's going on with you? Anything special you have planned? Updates? Anything? Well, I asked Colleen Woods multiple times to marry me, but Colleen Woods always refuses just because I tell the Colleen Woods story all the time about, you know, land crash, fetch, take two. So he's a little upset, so maybe one day Colleen Woods could forgive me and, you know. So, but I'm just joking about that. But, uh, 
No, overall, nothing really. And, uh, you know, I know I bust on Colin Woods a lot, but he's definitely a good guy. So Again, I appreciate your yep, time. No problem. Yep. You have a wonderful day. Sure. Enjoy your okay. day. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. Awesome, man. He, he He's so funny. It's just that, you know, the, just slip the Conley Woods thing in there. You know, give him a little jab. I did not prep him on this at all. I did not even tell him I talked to Conley already. <laughs> it was just so funny that he slips that in there. That was you great. Know, it would be, I think he'd be a lot more fun, and we'll put this out there right now. If you'd like to come on the show, GFABs, and have as much time as you'd like to talk about anything you'd like, we'd be more than thrilled to have you on. Absolutely, uh, man. You're more than welcome anytime. Yeah, it it, it would be interesting because after doing that, I probably had about half a dozen more questions that popped in my head right away. But it's like, I'm not going to go track him down again after <laughs> he just gave me a thing to do it again. No. Get him for one question turned into two, worked well with me. I really enjoyed it. And he's just another funny person in Magic. I mean, a great player, but just a funny person. You know, the kind of person that you'd go, hey, you know, afterwards you'd be like the person you'd go to the bar with and hang out and have a couple beers with. Right, that like Ben might jump on his Stockdar and ride away in the sunset with. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Nice. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm really glad that you had such a good time and that you were able to get a hold of you know some of the good interviews that you did and and meet up with Conley and meet up with the guys from the A team and uh, you know uh, what a great time and I'm I'm really glad that you got to do it. Well, like I said, next year we're gonna have to plan something out that both of us can be at some kind of event and give them all hell. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. dude, for sure. See, then that way, that way I can go and I can start doing some interviews and you can play <laughs> and you, you can, can play kick too, ass. Man. And, and then I can squeeze on Gigi's Live <laughs> and say, my partner's out there and he's kicking some butt and he's currently 6-1. And if you'd see the list, his name is right here on the list. You play right <laughs> to the screen and see it pointing down there. I guess the fun thing, what's funny was is... Uh, and don't call uh, me partner when you do that, though, because people might get the wrong idea, right? Co-host. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding, man. So, okay, the funny thing was... I've seen I've seen pictures of your woman, believe me. <laughs> I am no catching comparison to her, trust me. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I'm sure she'll appreciate that, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I it, it, it's something that we're going to have to plan out. Um, I definitely want to... I definitely, I got an itch now for Gigi's Live. I really do. It's like, oh. Hey, man, Denver's not that long, not that far away, and I still think that sounds good. I know that, you know, I know that Otwell and, and the Jin are planning on doing it, but I still think we could get there and, uh, and you know, not to step on their toes or anything, but just do another show, and, and it'd be cool to hang out and meet up with them too, so. We could do dueling interviews. Dueling interviews, yeah, man. Interview each other. <laughs> Absolutely. That'd be hilarious. Oh, my God. Well, it is kind of late for me. Yeah, it is here, too, man, so I don't blame you at all. And we got everything in that we really wanted to get in this week. It's 
going to be a shorter podcast this week, which is good because we're not going to bust any world records this week. My voice sounds like garbage because I went up to Canada and experienced whatever pollen level they have that doesn't like me. <laughs> it's it's yeah. I think it's just the fact that when you got up to Canada, you realize that there's an awful lot of Canadians up there. You know what? There's a lot of different people up in Canada. I'll tell you that for sure. But they were, and it's true, real friendly. Especially if you're like struggling to either find something or you know know where you're going. They're pretty good people. I don't have any problems with it. I, I really, I really enjoyed my time up there. Yeah, they're they're awesome, man. Canada's cool. Plus, it's if like, I go to Denver, uh huh, I got a place to stay for free. Really. Who's that yeah, this time? My my uh, ex coworker at Brady moved to Denver to uh, celebrate his quote freedom. His oldest daughter got married, and his youngest son, who is a magic player, Alex Franson, you'd probably know him from the Milwaukee area. He's really good. He's uh, definitely more of a I don't want to say a slow player, but he's a a real thinker of magic. And uh, his dad moved out to Denver once his kid, you know, became old enough to handle it on his own. And his daughter got married, and he's enjoying the second renaissance of his life, as he likes to call it. Oh, this is starting to sound more and more interesting by the minute. <laughs> no, man, I'm listening. I'm just listening to what you're saying, dude. And I'm also listening to your voice dying too. So yeah, no, I'm funny. really sorry about that, everybody. My quality is for garbage this week but uh well hey one thing i will say real quick is that uh that uh, again you know i'll be in game day this week and i'll let everyone know how that goes next week so um you know hopefully i don't scrub out like last time after me talking about the fact i'd never scrubbed out of game day and then i uh i scrub out so that won't happen this time well take ben with you that way you can guarantee not to scrub out he just he can't go he's going to be like shopping at poor stores or something i think so he's not going to be making it i don't i i don't think it sounds like but at least yeah. he's not shopping at his local grocery store and having to pay for <laughs> yeah yeah really okay well hey um we'll let your voice rest here uh you know if you want to get a hold of us once again manascrewed at gmail.com questions comments just want to bs whatever get a hold of us we love to hear from you guys or in, post in the comments at mtgcast.com once again thanks to tom and otwell everyone at uh, mtgcast.com and monday night magic we we love you guys and we really appreciate you putting putting up with us thanks to our friends at mana deprived 60 cards.com and the a team um i think that's pretty much it you know for this oh. week and our friends at Channel Fireball oh. and Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games for being a part of our show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we can definitely not ever forget those guys. So um, I think until next week, uh, we'll we'll go ahead and li- close the end of the show uh, with a little post-GP Toronto comment from Roberto here. But uh, until next week, I'm Tangent. I'm, the, I'm Robert. And uh, here's the Beamies closing GP Toronto remarks. This is Robert from Manuscrewed doing my final thoughts on GP Toronto for you as a final end of bonus segment to this 
episode of Man Screwed. I want to first of all talk about how much of a wonderful time I had here. I'd like to thank Scotty Mack from 60cards.com and the A-Team and his lovely wife and Alex to having me stay at his house and how much fun and opportunity it was to meet his family and how privileged that was to do that. The other thing I'd like to mention is I'd like to mention all the wonderful people I met there. Uh, I met Carrie Dan there. I met from Twitter. I met his wife and his family, and they were absolutely wonderful. And his son had a chance to win the Black Lotus drawing, which I thought was incredible. <laughs> Excuse me. I also thought the ability to meet so many different people from Canada, from America, just to talk to them about magic, just to get their feelings. The players I played were pretty good. Um, day one at the PTQ, grinders on Friday were awful. I won't lie about it. My deck strategy was kind of bad. And my grasp of field was bad because I was thinking much like shards block where you can you have to focus on one theory and one theory only and that's not true I learned this weekend from Mr. Mo Magic on Twitter who went 7-2 and two on the GP or the PTQ for Paris and finished 15th I learned from him that you need to have a plan A and a plan B to win <coughs> excuse me and that really helped a lot. Scotty and Scotty and Mo Magic sat there with me on Friday night, basically figured out where I went wrong, what I needed to do. That led to a Saturday that, for Magic playing, I may never forget. Went 5-1 in the first half. Six rounds, no buys, nothing. Had what I would call a substandard infect deck but it had a lot of options to get there um, tainted tainted strike was huge the ability to do untamed might on an infect guy was a killer I also believe that there are many combinations of cards that can get you to where you need to get to as far as it takes to go so, the only problem I had with at going 5-1 was round two played against a guy with ironically the same first name as mine. His name was Robert and more to come about him later on. He's one of those people that when you play Magic, he's the kind of person that just is the person you really never want to play with and if you play against him because of his attitude and the way he does things, you just want to stomp his face in. Well, I played him in round two, and he did the, oh, you're not going to like this, and oh, this is going to hurt, and oh, I just had the nut draw, and oh, I got this on top. When you play Magic, first of all, it's a game. Second of all, if you're drawing well, you do not 
have to rub it in the person's face. Seriously, it is something that is in poor taste and poor etiquette, and I'm rambling on about this, but I want to bring this up to everybody listen to the podcast, because if you seriously want to do this on any kind of competitive level, CTQ level, whatever, you really cannot have that kind of attitude, because that's the kind of attitude that's going to get you a bad reputation within the community. The next set of rounds were very good. I only won one game via direct damage. So, yeah, Insect was slowing. By the time I got to 5-1, I ran into a small problem, and that's all of my own head. Honestly, the hardest part of my game with anything was is I'm an ultra-competitive person. It may not show on the podcast, but when my juices get flowing, and I was 5-1, I made this critical, critical error of going, all I have to do is win three out of the next four, and I'm in. Never do that. Magic, like most games, is a very simple process of you take it, as Herm Edwards would say, one of my favorite ex-NFL coaches, you take it one game at a time, and you play to win the game. I made the mistake of putting the cart in front of the horse, and I ended up going 5-3 and scrub it out. Now, 5-3 out of our group of people I knew there was better than anybody. So I can take some pride in the fact that I finished higher than KYT, who topped eight provincials, or Scotty Mack, who went 3-3, or Mr. Mo Magic, or any of them. So I can take some pride in that. It's one of those moments that, yeah, you can just kind of nod your head and kind of smile and go, yeah, you know what, for that day... And that time, I really had it. I was on. I was on my game, and it worked out well. I am doing this in a torrential downpour while driving, so apologize if you hear the rain in the background. Day two came. Decided to do the PTQ for Paris. Now, had I done real well in it, which I didn't, I'd still be here now playing, because they're just doing, just finishing up the draft for the PTQ for the top eight. But what I will say is I went one, two, and dropped. But, getting back to my boy Robert, I got to play Robert in round two. And he was all smiles and, oh, how you going? And, oh, I really like my deck. And, you know, oh, you know, game one, yeah, round one didn't go the way I wanted to, but, you know, we're going to get things done and... I'm going to go forward from here. Well, I took great pride in taking him out and sending him home away from the PTQ and walking away with the fact that even though I finished 1-2 and went out, that I beat the guy who was literally that guy that you do not want to be. So I took pride in it and made me happy. In other words, if you're listening to this podcast by now, 
you've probably seen a series of podcast listings from me. I was very fortunate. I got interviews with Rashad from TGS Live. I actually got to go on air twice, which honestly, I got to tell you, I really got the bug. If, if, if he would call me tomorrow and tell me to drive to Nashville to go do coverage and I could get my wife to say yes, I'd get in my car, I'd go there tomorrow. Honestly, for Magic, doing podcasts and doing this and doing the GGS Live coverage is really where my home is. As much as I love to play, and I really do, and this weekend really proved that I really can on a competitive level, especially field, I can do really well. And I can play with some of the best people in the world. And I have no problem with that. And yeah, it sounds like I'm bragging, but it's not. I just think that if you dedicate yourself to this, like my Conley interview says, and you really focus on what you need to focus, you can improve and you can get better. Speaking of other interviews, <laughs> I also got to interview Conley Woods. Who I gotta say is one of the nicest people I know. He's a wonderful person, a great interview. I'm super proud to do Monday Night Magic with him. And the guy owes me three bucks. Kindly, you still owe me three bucks, man. I'm kidding. I'll get it from you next time I come up at a PCQ. Or I'm in a, a GP or something like that. I'll get it from you again. We will definitely meet again. I also got to do an interview with Brad Nelson. Just after he qualified for top eight. It was fascinating. Player of the year. By and far. Tremendous insights into the game. You got a great look into the background of Brad Nelson with that interview. I also got a partial interview with Ricky Ayashi, level three judge. <coughs> Apologize for how that interview came out. He got stopped a couple times. And I had to provide some closing thoughts on my own. But if you don't listen to Judge Cast when he puts it out, and you don't have him on Twitter, and you don't follow him, you're really missing out. Because he's really genuinely one of the one of the real good people of Magic, and I think that's one thing I learned this weekend, is that Magic people are just really, really good people. And I also got a partial interview, the end of Scotty Mack's interview with Brian David Marshall. I asked him one final question, and it was quite fascinating, quite touching. Also, got an interview with Richard Hagen and his group. Those guys are funny. We talked off air a little bit, and these guys have a passion for North American sports like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they love football. They love American football. And it was such a trip seeing Rich Hagen in a Dolphins jersey one day and a Jet hoodie the next day. And 
It was great. These guys were just wonderful. Absolutely loved it. I know I'm missing somebody else from my interview list, and I apologize. It's raining, and it's been long. I also have to thank my lovely wife and my three kids, Lisa, Sean, Jenna, and Jack, because without them and being able to go to do this, this is really one of these memories that I'm going to have that's going to last a lifetime. I want to thank Tangent for keeping me upbeat and motivated and keeping me on track and supporting the hell out of me through this. I do this stuff all for you guys because I really think everybody asks the normal questions. And everybody asks the same questions. I don't want to ask the same questions. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that asks different questions to challenge status quo, to make things different, to do things not normal. And I really hope you appreciated this. I cannot tell you how much fun this was for me. I really can't. So I'm going to end it here. Thank you very much. Keep listening to Monday Night Magic. Keep listening to Man of Screwed. I'm Robert, otherwise known as the Beat Me on Twitter, and I'm out.